What does the word more mean to you? Does it mean more money? More power? Or how about more influence? In today's message, Pastor Landry shows us the importance of how to live more, love more, give more, and serve more as we discover how to be more. Morning, good morning, good morning. How are we all doing today? Oh, okay. I think only two people here said, how are we all doing this weekend? All right, praise God, praise God, praise God. Um, I, I, I just want to thank God for every one of you that is here, those that are here uh, with us in service, um, and those that are watching from our various platform. I just want to welcome you and thank God for you, thank God for your family. Also, I want to again uh, say to all of you that have supported us in one way or the other, especially financially, I want to thank God for you and thank God for what God has used you to help us to be able to accomplish as a ministry. Uh, we, we, we just uh, strongly, strongly appreciate and covet your support. And um, let's get to business this morning. All right, I will start um, by, uh, I told you I was going to give you a quiz, right? I gave a quiz last week. Did anybody get the quiz? I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, so we're still on our topic, Be More. And how did we get into Be More? I told you a short story of how, you know, I got that title of Be More. I read a book by Robert Schuller on uh, the Beatitudes, which is um, uh, Matthew 5. And as he told that story, he titled it the Be Happy Attitude. And as I began to study the scripture the more, and I discovered that the Beat, or, I mean, the Sermon on the Mount was not only limited to the Be Happy Attitude, there's also a Be More Attitude there that Jesus wanted us to have. So I shortened it, you know, just a corny way of being uh, relevant, I guess. So I shortened it to be Be More, all right? That God wants us to be more. And why does he want us to be more? Why did Jesus want us to be more? He wanted us to be more. You know why? Because the law itself, there's a shortcoming to that. The law is limited. The law by nature, whatever way you look at it, is always requiring the barest minimum for us. All right? The law always requires the barest minimum. And we saw last week the story of the Good Samaritan. All right? And we said the Good Samaritan, the story of the Good Samaritan, told us about compassion. It told us about being neighborly. But one of the points that we always miss is that it also shows us the limitations of the law. Yes. Because the Levites and the priests did not do wrong. I want you to know that they did not do wrong. By law, they had a check mark. Yep. So they did not do wrong. It wasn't wrong. It was just that what they were following was limited. And so Jesus wanted to expose the limitations of the law. And that was why he told that story of who was our neighbor. And that was supposed to be an example for us as Christians who are going to follow uh, the law. And 
Again, why will he tell us the story? Why was the Sermon of the Mount, especially those the Bimo area, why was that? It was that, or it is that, we should be able to do what? Live more. Anybody, the next one? Love more. All right? Give more and serve more. Yeah, I think it is out. <laughs> that, that was good. So God wants us, or Jesus wants us, from the, from the, uh, um, from the, um, the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, he wants us to live more. We condense it. I condensed it to all those four. Everything that he told us from verse 22 to verse 48, I condensed it to live more, love more, give more, and serve more. So this morning, I just quickly want to jump into, uh, uh, just start expanding those things. Give more, live more, serve more, and love more. I want to start expanding all those things this morning. And, um, but I want you to know, I want you to know that there can't be more without sacrifice. All right, I just, I just, I just, some people, some people now are just wondering why did I come to service today? Maybe they want to. <laughs> no, but the truth is we need to, we need to define sacrifice from the New Testament perspective or from God's eyes or from God's perspective. All right? There can't be more. If you don't get anything this morning, if you don't understand what I'm saying this morning, remember, there can't be more without sacrifice. Every time you talk of more, there has to be a sacrifice. But what is sacrifice? Let's really go through that. Let me just quickly explain what the sacrifice is. All right? Now, to us, many times as Christians, when we talk about sacrifice, we think about loss, right? You are losing something. All right? When we think about sacrifice, we're thinking about giving up something. When we think about sacrifice, we think about suffering. We think we have been deprived. That is the mentality that we have had about sacrifice. All right? And I know that that is what they have preached to us and taught us, especially those of us that came from a very traditional background when it comes to church. All right? Like in my church where I grew up as a child and grew up, you know, onto a young adult, uh, the, the word sacrifice is a normal thing. All right? They wanted us to live a life of abstinence where it's like the world is irrelevant to us. All right? And we're useless to the world because we have to sacrifice everything. We have to give everything up. All right? Now, but that is a partial explanation of what sacrifice is all about. From scripture, if you look at scripture very well, uh, I will define the scriptural perspective of sacrifice to mean this. Giving up something that is valuable, you are giving something that is valuable up. All right? Giving up something that is valuable with the hope and sometimes the assurance that you are going to get something much more valuable. Amen. That's right. right. Did I make sense? Yes. You give something up that is valuable with the hope and sometimes the assurance that what you are giving up is going to produce something that is much more valuable than what you are giving up. In other words, sacrifice in a perfect perspective does not mean you are losing. It does not mean you have been deprived. It does not mean, uh, uh, I mean, you, you are going to do, you are going to suffer. It does not mean you are going to lose. It only means you are giving something up 
to get something better. So how does that fit into what we're saying? It fits into what we're saying that if you are going to live more, if you are going to love more, if you are going to give more and to serve more, then you will have to give up something valuable in expectation of something much more valuable that will come to you. We saw it in the life of Jesus Christ. And Jesus himself even told us. He said, except a corn of wheat falls to the ground, it abides alone. In other words, you have to give something. And the Bible tells us also in 1 John 3, 16, the Bible says, just as Jesus Christ has done this and laid his life for the brethren, we also have to lay our lives for the brethren. But how do we lay our lives? That's the question. How do we lay our lives? How do we lay our lives? Before that, let me just quickly say this. Before I go to that, let me quickly say this. Going back to sacrifice again. Sacrifice must have three attributes. Number one, it must be something of value. Number two, you must have the power to keep it and to give it up. Jesus told us, he said, I have the power to give my life and to take it up. But I just give it willingly. And then number three, it must have, I mean, you must have the power to give it up when it's actually given up. So some of the things that we do sometimes, and we think, oh, it's sacrificial giving and all of that. No, we just lost something. Because they probably did not follow any of this criteria. But now, let's go to, can you give me, um, can you give me, uh, Matthew 5. Let's start from Matthew 5. I just want to see some of the things that Jesus Christ told us, Jesus Christ talked about, uh, and I want to begin to define some of the things that we are going to give up. Because if you are going to give up something or the value of your life, there are certain things that are, uh, are the value of your life that you will have to give up to be able to live more. Alright? That you'll be able to live more. Alright? So, Matthew 5. Can you give me Matthew 5? Start from verse 21. Matthew 5, 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. All right, go ahead, 22. But I say to you, you see, you have heard that it was said. Who said it? The law said it. But I say, in other words, the law said this, but there's something higher than the law. There's something more than the law. Yes. All right? And now the law is limited. It says you have heard it being said that you should not murder. I mean, Jesus Christ came. He brought some radical ideas that was just completely, so completely unusual. Why? Because they have lived these limited lives for, over, for thousands of years. And so when, it came, when he came, when he brought these ideas, it was radically new. It was different. It was completely different. But what he was asking for is that I want more because you can do more. And God has provided the ability for us to do more. And we have said it last week, like we said last week, that why do we need to live more? We need to live more because God has come that we may have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. Why do we need to love more? Because love never fails. Why do we need to give more? 
Because it is more blessed to give than to receive. Why do we need to serve more? Because service is our way up. You cannot go up. The, the, the alley for the way up is service. Amen. That's So what was Jesus saying here? But I say to you, the law has said, but I am saying to you, one who has come not just only to take away the law, but to fulfill the law, is now up in the game. He upped the game. And he said, but I say to you, Whoever is angry, in other words, mother is too far away. Start with anger. You know why? Because a lot of times, a lot of times, the, the consequences of anger are just as serious as the consequences of mother. So he said, but I have said to you, Whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. In other words, what Jesus Christ is saying to us here, that sometimes you may, your anger may be legitimate. Let me back up again. Maybe just do a little bit of history here. Just a little bit of history of what is going on. And I want you to see when Jesus was preaching the Mount, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, you know what was happening around that time? Around that time, they had the, uh, the, the Romans who were ruling. The thing with the Romans and the thing with those wars in those days was that um, in those days, right, when they fought wars, you know what happened? They go there, they conquer, they get, they get um, uh, the slaves or they get, they get captives, they take people captives and take them back to their place. But the Romans were the first people that started imperialism. You know what imperialism is? They don't just go there to conquer and take captive people, they occupy. Yep. And so the, 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 the problem with them there, they were not used to that kind of situation. And when the Romans came, they did what? They loaded it over them. The Romans taxed them to death. And the benefit of the monies that were collected at the time was something, you know, was something enjoyed by the Jews at the time. The Romans took the money and took it away to go and do whatever they wanted to do. So there was anger and legitimate reason for anger in the land at the time. The Romans did not only take their money. The Roman soldier can come and just take anything they want from you. If you read it down, the Bible says, it says when the soldier comes and tells you, hey, give me a cloak, give him two. Because the Romans had the authority. They had the power to just do whatever they wanted. Now, they did not just, you know, uh, oppress them. They did not just take the taxes from them. They did not just oppress them. Another thing that the Romans came to do was that they brought their system that was completely different from what they understood. In other words, they took their life away from them and introduced something to them. And so part of what Jesus was speaking in the Sermon of the Mount was actually addressing their relationship with the Roman government. And it has also become an allegory for how we should, always re- we should also relate with one another and those who are in authority. So there was anger. There was legitimate reason for them to be angry. And during the course of that history, you will find pockets of men here and there who will just rise up and just go attack the government and they get killed and all of that. And Jesus Christ was telling them, that's not the way to do it. They want to take your life, but instead of you allowing them to take your life, you give your life up. 
The way to win, the way to live, is to give your life up. The anger will not solve anything. In the same way, so many of us are going through situations that are legitimate reasons why we should be angry. Things are not working our way. We have been offended. People don't work for us. And anger has become the oxygen by which we live. And because it is the oxygen by which you survive, Jesus Christ is saying you have to give that up. You have to sacrifice that up. No matter what pleasure you are getting from anger, no matter what pleasure you are getting from disaffection or dissatisfaction, no longer how much you are getting from offense. Because sometimes offense is pleasant when we just walk in it sometimes. I, you know, I, I have a friend. 40 years after something happened to him, when he spoke about it, he was still crying as if it happened yesterday. Now I was talking to him and he was telling me of, you know, what happened to him and how he suffered and how that went on with him and all of that. And I'm like, well, God has helped you now. You are no longer where you are. And he was like, no, but this, this woman that did this to me, I will not forgive her in this life and I will not forgive her in the coming life. In other words, the pain and the anger has become the oxygen by which he survives. And Jesus Christ is saying that that is a life that you have lived, that you need to sacrifice, that you need to give up and take something else. And you will see or discover that you can live more. Amen. Because the life he was living, my friend, the life he was living was no life at all. You may not know it, but you are not living more because you are living less than what God has called you to. So that's one of the first things that Jesus Christ told us, amongst many things. All right? Now, and that is, uh, can you open with me to verse 29? 29. Another thing that we can give up. Another thing, another aspect of our lives that we can give up. To get more life. To live more. I've told you one of the things that we have to give up is anger. Like Jesus Christ told us. There are so many things that we can give up. There are so many things that we need to give up. But based on this scripture, I just pick out, you know, a few things for us to look at. And I, I, let me give you an assignment again, right? Like I used to. All right? So the, the assignment is, when you go back, just examine your life. What are some of the things that you need to give up? That are hindering you from entering the abundance of this life that God has given you. This message is not supposed to be like a template for you to be able to use to examine your life and examine what is going on and say, hey, I need to give this up because I need the abundance of the life to be made manifest in my life. Another thing Jesus said, verse 29, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. All right, let's stop there. What does that mean? That means there are certain things that are very, very precious to us Precious things to us. Important things to us. And sometimes we need to bury these things to be able to get the higher life and walk in the higher reality of what God wants us to hire. So he said, if your eyes causes you to sin. Now, Jesus is not telling you that literally go and pluck those eyes out and, 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 and take them out. or cut. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying that. It's just an allegory, right? That if something is as important, that some things are going to be precious to you like your eyes. Alright? 
there are things that are going to be precious to you, for, you, know, um, um, uh, um, you know, like your eyes or your arms. That when it comes to living the higher life and living more, you might need to give that up. My friend was telling me uh, a story of uh, some blind person he was talking with. And, um, and he was like, oh, I can't imagine not living without sight. And, um, you know, I cannot imagine my life without sight. I don't even know. It's going, to be, it's going to be miserable. And so he asked the other lady who was blind, who he works with, what does it feel like to be blind? He said, I have no concept of seeing. I have no concept of sight because I was born blind. What, what am I saying in that regard? I'm saying that in this regard, that if you have eyes, you know how important your eyes is. Yes. All right? And there are certain things that are important to us that help us to be able to survive, to navigate life, to give us direction. We have followed the lead of these things. There are certain things that are as important to us as how we function. Your hand means functioning. Your eyes mean you can see, you can get direction. There are so many things that have directed our lives. And sometimes those things are below par. And we need to give them up to be able to live the life that God wants us to live. To sacrifice them. All right, can you please give me verse 25 again? Let me just jump. Uh, my, my time is kind of a... Let me quickly go. Number 25. 29, I'm sorry. 29. All right. Uh, no, I think I am... I'm sorry. Uh, 25, I'm sorry. Is it 25? Yeah, 25. Okay, yes, this is what I want to say. Agree with your adversaries quickly. Just guys was talking about you, you know, if you, if you have a case with somebody and all of that, better agree with them quickly. Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him. Lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hand you over to the officer and you'll be thrown in prison. In other words, Jesus Christ is saying, another thing that sometimes we need to give up is our right for redress. We, you know, we, we, we want to be justified every time. We want to be right every time. But Jesus is telling us that part of your life that you are going to have to sacrifice to be able to live more is to give up sometimes your right for redress. The only person that justifies is God. And no matter how intelligent you are, no matter how great you are, you are not smart enough to justify yourself when somebody wants to find you wrong. When people decide you are wrong, only God can vindicate you. And that is why you cannot live on that, on the fact that I want to justify myself every time. I need to be redressed. God is the only person that can, you know, redress whatever the situation that we're in. And I tell you, you are going to meet those kind of things. There are certain people you meet. There are certain relationships. There are certain job opportunities you get. There are certain people who have been fired for just no reason. But God is the justifier who redresses the wrong. 
and makes things right. And until you set your life on him and agree that he's the one that will justify you, you are still joking about the more life. You're not going to enter that job more life. You are going to be parabolating around that perimeter. If you think you can redress your situation, you always want to fight to be right, you are never going to be right. Let me jump quickly. All right, can you give me verse 37? And this, this one also is almost like the last one. It's almost like the last one. Look at what it says. But let your yes be yes and your no be no. For whatever is more than this is from the evil one. One, one of the things about culture, about the culture in those days, is that people like to swear. People like to, you know, they, they take oaths. They, 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 they just want to be proven right. They want to be seen as right. And, and, and the truth about it is sometimes some people will lie through their teeth and just say, swear it. <laughs> some people are lying. And yet they will swear. Swear on the grave of my grandfather. All kinds of things. And yet there's nothing to it. But what is Jesus saying here? Jesus says that your words have to mean what it means. If you are going to ever live the more life, your words have to be important. Whatever you say, let it be yes. And if it is no, let it be no. When somebody comes back and you put a no there, let them meet the no there. If you put a yes there, let them come back 10 years and they will meet the yes there. You know why? Because if you live like this, you don't need, you don't need a long memory. Mm. Oh. Wow. That's good. You don't need a long memory. That's good. That's good. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean by you don't need a long memory. <laughs> you know, you, don't, you don't need a long memory if you live like this. Because the truth is the truth. It does not change. If you are going to live the more life, your yes has to be your yes, and your nay has to be your nay. That's what Jesus Christ was telling them. That's what Jesus was telling them. Jesus was telling them here. Yeah, he said, guys, if you are going to live well, if you are going to live the more life, if you are going to overcome all the oppressions you are going through, your word has to count. It has to be what it is. You cannot, you know, you, you, I mean, oh, I'm sorry, you know, there are people, there are just people in the world who, um, who, you know, if, 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 they, if, if they say good morning, you have to go and check if it's really morning. <laughs> right? There are some people like that in our oikos, maybe in our oikos, in our, and they, they, they just, they just cannot say the truth. And those things are things that hinder the life of more, yeah. being more. It does hinder more. Because instead of you just living freely, 
living without any inhibition. You are there trying to think, how do I support this? How do I make this work? I already said this now. If I say this, what happens? How do I make it work? How do I link it up? How do I, you know, you are always thinking, always scheming, always not, in, not wanting to be caught, right? Because now your reputation is at stake. If you are going to live the more life, your yay has to be your yay, and your nay has to be your nay. So what does the more life look like? Be more. What does it look like? Very simple. The more life just means you have more joy. It means you have more peace. If you see somebody whose peace is increasing every time, not that you don't have, you know, the Bible, Jesus Christ is our peace, but many of us are not experiencing that peace. Or we are, limit, we are experiencing that peace at a limited level. But we can experience our, our experience, I mean, we can increase the experience of our peace and our joy as we lean in into this small life. We can experience it the more. That's why uh, uh, in scripture, in the, uh, uh, in the book of, um, um, uh, um, uh, is it Hebrew now? Where, where it says grace and peace be multiplied. Does it mean that we don't have peace? We already have that peace. But what is Paul saying? He said it should be multiplied. In other words, you can increase in your experience of the peace of God. You can increase in your experience of the joy of the Lord. You can increase in your experience of the freedom that is in Jesus Christ. And if you are not experiencing joy or peace or freedom, guess what is happening? You are not living the more life. You are living the limited life. God wants you to live the more life. He wants us to live the more life. What are the other things that you can see? What are the things that you can see and say this person is living the more life? The wisdom of God is present in their life. You see the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God, you know, you don't need to, you don't need to cajole God to bring out his wisdom. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times, a lot of times they tell us, oh, if you want to increase your joy, increase your praise. Which is true, but it's limited. Right? Because if you are not primed to live the more life, there's no amount of praise that will change it. It's a hard thing. It's a hard thing. You can go and sing all the praise that you want. All the worship that you do. By the time you live there, what happens? Or they tell us, if you want, if you want the peace of God, just, you know, if you want peace in your life, you know, just go on vacation. Yes, you're going to get some peace. But when you come back from vacation, you're going to be the same life you just left behind. And then it starts all over again. So why don't you carry your peace? To your vacation and bring your peace back to where you are. The more life, what does it look like? The more life looks like compassion. It looks like boldness. It looks like courage. You begin to live with the boldness and the courage of God in your life without fear. You are free because the Son has set you free. In other words, for us to be able to get more and live in this realm of more, there are certain things we have to give up. And those things, when we give them up, even though sometimes we are legitimately there's a legitimate reason for us to hold on to those things when we give them up. We 
begin to enjoy things of greater value. Uh, don't, don't, don't tell me that my legitimate anger is better than the joy and the peace of God in my life. Don't tell me that the desire to justify myself is greater than the wisdom and the freedom of God that is going to be expressed in my life. Or the compassion of God and the boldness of God and the courage of God that is going to be in my life. No, don't tell me that. I don't believe it. Because that's not what the scripture says. Quickly, before I run, because if I, if I stay on this, I'm just going to run my time out. And I have <laughs> four more things I need to, to, to really talk about. Ah, love more. We need to love more. What, you know, how is that? Live more, love more. I will, I, I will, I will end it at love more today. Live more. I mean, love more. What does that mean? In, this, in the story of the, if you look at the story of the Good Samaritan also, the, the scripture lets us know, if you read from the beginning of the story of the Good Samaritan, I don't, I don't want to read that so I can save time. Uh, the, the, the Bible tells us uh, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the teacher or the rabbi who went to meet Jesus. And when he went to meet Jesus, he said, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Eternal life? And he told him, what does the law say? And all of that. He said, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your might. And thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. And then he wanted to probe the man further and just make nonsense of the man because he was a professor of the law. And he said, Who is my neighbor? And he told him the story of the Good Samaritan. And I told you that one of the very biggest lessons that we miss sometimes in the story of the Good Samaritan is that it shows us the limitations of the law. All right, that's one of the big, that's one of the big points that we miss. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. And the guy could not say anything. But I want you to know that when you want to live more, or you want to love more, I mean, when you want to love more, did you know that that scripture is limited? Remember what I said. The law is limited. The law always requires the minimum. And so if he was talking from the point of the law, what did the law say? It means that the answer he gave him was just to satisfy what the law was talking about. Just minimum. Go and do the minimum. So if we are going to live more, you know, if, if our love is going to be more, then I want to tell you that love your neighbor as yourself is just the base of where you can start. That's good. That's the foundation. That's the base. Because that scripture, you know what it did? It gives you permission not to love sometimes. How? If I'm not feeling good, then nobody should feel good. Because it said, love your neighbor as yourself. Am I correct? It gives you permission. So if you don't love yourself, if you don't love yourself, it's difficult for you to be able to love some other people. That's the barest minimum. The barest minimum. But what is the love more? Where is the love more? It is what Jesus Christ told us. He said, a new commandment I give you. That you love one another as I have loved you. And what is the kind of love? That was the sacrificial love that he gave us. Oh, yes. Very good. The love that was not conditional. 
the love that does not wait for me to, to, to respond, the love that does not count on me because I is taken away from the love. When we want to express the love of God, the word I goes out. That I is replaced with Jesus. If you are going to love more, you are going to follow, have to follow that standard. That love your neighbor as yourself is a starting point. But the real place where I'm going is you must love one another as I have loved you. And that love is sacrificial. It is unconditional. Love more. How do we go about this? How do we go about all these things? Let me, let me start rounding up now. How do we go about all these things? How does these things, how do they happen? Why do they happen? I mean, how, how does Jesus Christ want us to, to, to make it happen? Right? He told us that in that same scripture, in our, in our main text. Right? Where he says, you have heard, love your neighbor as yourself. Do good to those who did good to you. All right? But I say to you, love your enemies. And do good to those that despisefully use you. In other words, what is Jesus Christ saying? It is saying that the antidote to not being able to walk in love is to have the mind and the heart to do good always. Because that is what sacrifice is to God. In the book of Hebrews, the Bible tells us that that's what God sacrifices. That's what a godly sacrifice is. It is the, the heart's desire or the desire, the, 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 uh, the, the the, the sense of wanting to do good every time. And doing good should not be limited to those who have done good to you. More love means that you are doing good to those who have even despisefully used you. Those who don't count you. Those who have wronged you. Those who have done evil to you. Those who don't like your face. You still do good to them. You have an obligation to do good to them. And you know why? Because at the end of the day, love never fails. I'm talking about the love of God. I'm talking about the agape love of God. When I was going, when I, when, when I was going through this, I could not but, uh, just in a lighter mood, remember, I could not but remember uh, uh, Donna Soma, the song that she sang. I don't know if it was spiritual or, I don't know. <laughs> Give me your unconditional love. Okay. The kind of love I deserve. I never want to return or something like that. But I want you to know, this love more, what does it look like? Love more simply means a manifestation of an unconditional patience and kindness to everyone that you can reach. Unconditional patience and kindness to everyone that you meet. I want you to just go home this afternoon. 
assignment again. I'm just kidding. Please go home again and just use these scriptures. Take a list down and just begin to say, what do I need? Because there's always something, because this life is unending. This love is unending. It can never be exhausted. There's always something to do. Take it. Look at it. And tell yourself, some things have to go so that I can be free to live this limited, boundless life. God bless you.